Welcome to the OT lifestyle movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Welcome back to the OT Lifestyle Movement podcast. Today, we are lucky enough to be speaking with an amazing therapist based in the US, Anna Hernando. Anna is an occupational therapist, holistic healthcare practitioner, medical intuitive, Reiki master, and certified life coach. She has also completed a bachelor in kinesiology. She empowers people to master their lives and their health outside of the traditional medical model. Welcome, Anna. Hi, how are you? Really good. I want to ask, is there anything that you don't do? <laughs> you have got such an amazing yeah. list of... <laughs> uh, I've, been in the, I've been in OT for 23 years. So that's, I mean, um, that's a long time. And, and, and so when I see people, you know, on social media and OT groups and stuff, and they say, I'm in this field and I think I have the wrong, I think I don't want to be in OT anymore. I'm like, pick another, pick another avenue. We have so many. I mean... You know, that's one of the cool things about being OT. You can always reinvent yourself and you can always learn new tools. I tell people all the time when I got out of school, I feel like I, I had a hammer, a wrench, and a screwdriver. And now I feel like I have the whole entire distribution warehouse for Home Depot and Lowe's, you know, which I don't know if you know what those are down there, but they're our biggest um, home improvement stores. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is the amazing thing about OT. Did you ever find that you were at that point where you wanted to quit or stop and do a different avenue before you found that this was possible, doing different things and exploring this more holistic health avenue? Yeah, so I worked in traditional, and what I say traditional is here in the U.S., that's, you know, medical model. It's the, the you, uh, doctor says you go to OT, you see the patient, you send your plan of care to the doctor, the doctor agrees, the insurance company agrees, and then you work with the patient. Um, and then the patient, the insurance covers um, the patient's services. So that's kind of like the traditional model here. And we have certain criteria that that, that will cover. Um, the insurance will pay for on those. And so I um, had been in with acute care. So in the local hospital where you see people, when you see all kinds of stuff in the acute care hospital, I worked in inpatient rehab. Um, I worked in um, long-term care, so geriatric population. I did some home health, and I also did peds. And I did all this because I had kids, and I thought OT is great because I did what's called PRN, which means as needed. And I worked in all the different kinds of places that I wanted to do, um, as long as I could work from nine to two. <laughs> so, because those are the times that my kids went to pre-care, right? Nine to two, and then as long as I was home. Um, and I. I got tired of that and I got really, really passionate about sensory integration, sensory processing, and really started studying that a lot and worked in a peds clinic. And then I went to Colorado to study a sensory learning process. Our sensory learning institute does an amazing integrative treatment um, that was developed by a mom who um, she had a child that had autism and this was 10 11 years ago when if you said autism people thought you were like cussing like <gasps> you know I, you know nobody wanted to hear somebody had autism and it was horrible and so um, I went and studied with her and 
my mind was blown away. Um, that's really when I got into more uh, frequencies, vibrations, um, light frequencies, uh, just the whole bit. And because the treatment encompasses um, three modalities all at the same time. So you're really overloading the sensory system. And I did into that and I thought, well, I'm going to make a practice with this. And I did my private practice and it, it flopped. <laughs> I mean, it tanked bad. Um, I was open for two years, but I had a really hard time um, getting doctors to refer uh, patients to me because it was an autism diagnosis. Um, but then you couldn't have an autism diagnosis because it wasn't in any of the medical models that wasn't in the market, it wasn't DSM. So you, you really couldn't get insurance to pay for um, an autism. So I had to come up with, I had like eight different diagnosis codes that I would tell the doctor, like visual disturbances, sensitivity to sound, tinnitus, um, tactile defensiveness. I mean, I had all of these things. And so your kid didn't have autism, had all of these things because you didn't want to give an autism diagnosis. <laughs> and you certainly didn't want to say sensory because that was the kiss of death too. So I had to come up with all these different things and I still had insurances delay payment. Well, you can't delay payment because you got to pay your staff, right? So that ended up, um, ended up having to file bankruptcy on the business and close the business. But in the meantime, it made a catalyst of all the things that I was recognizing from a body standpoint. Like, okay, why are we having problems with methylation? Why are we having this? Why are we having that? And the seeing the kids that were coming into me, I was noticing their, um, what the parents were feeding them. You know, I was noticing, um, you know, that they would just give them a, a video game to keep them quiet. I was noticing a lot of behavior uh, things that were contributing factors. So yes, we have the electromagnetic fields. Yes, we have the vibrations. Yes, we have all this disconnect um, in the, in the um, sensory processing center of the brain, but we're also not helping it either, right? We're not advancing it any. So um, I just started looking at that and being in that situation where I had to close my business and I went back to work at a geriatric uh, facility and started directing there. It was the same thing. I'm noticing in the geriatric population, I'm like, how in the world are we going to help these people get better if they've got for dinner here in Texas, chicken fried steak, which, you know, is horrible, um, mashed potatoes and corn, like there's no nutrients in there for this adult person, you know? And oh, by the way, let's give them 12 pills to help them with their blood sugar and their memory and everything else. And it's like, they don't even have the building blocks to help that, right? So I was recognizing that I was part of the problem. <laughs> I was part of the problem because I was buying into, I was working in a system and I know not everybody can get out of the system, but I was working in it. But um, so my big, my big change came recognizing all that and um i joined a network marketing company for nutrition and really loved the it was a vegan company loved all the products that they were doing but i found myself training the consultants because they didn't understand why it was important for people to have a fiber that wasn't just one product they didn't understand why they should be selling a probiotic that had many different types of bacteria so I found myself training them versus selling the products and building my own, you know, network marketing company. So that's actually when this, when I started doing wellness, because I recognized that it was just part of what we do as OTs. 
we break down the information very, very small into bite-sized pieces so that people can understand and then we help them make the transition and then we hold them accountable, right? So that's, that's wellness coaching. Absolutely. And I love that. And I think what you said when you said you were part of the problem, I bet there are a lot of other OTs who are listening in going, oh my gosh, yes. Like I know there is another way. I know that I can be really stepping more into that health promotion model where I can be helping people with their everyday lives, doing simple activities that are health promoting rather than a step in the other direction. Yeah. And you see it all the time because therapists, they're wanting, like you see right now, okay, we have to do a cooking activity. What's a cooking activity? Well, then you automatically see other OTs recommending, well, use the microwave. No, don't use the microwave. It's easy, yes. It's safe because you can't get burned from it, but it also depletes all of the nutrients in the food. So why would I want to do that? I would want to go back with, okay, what can we eat raw? <laughs> I mean, when you're doing a food prep, a meal prep, you don't have to cook the food. You can do some raw foods and um, you can definitely teach a safer way of, of using, you know, um, heating elements or then you start working into the adaptation part, right? This person's not safe to use an actual stove because they'll leave it on and, and burn the house down. Okay, then you work on other adaptations. But you don't go, let's use the microwave because people forget the microwave does deplete our food of valuable nutrients. You are absolutely speaking my language. We threw out our microwave, I think, maybe 12 or 13 years ago. Um, but the thing is, you know, a lot of the general population don't know this. You know, they, they, and I think too, it comes back to our belief systems and this is passed on, it's generational, right? So if we ate macaroni and cheese as a kid, it's likely that we're going to feed our kids macaroni and cheese and it's likely that it's going to be okay to teach that this is okay to eat this um, when, we're, when we're working with our clients. So this is a massive area that I love talking about. And like you said, it's not just about meal preparation, like how we prepare the meal. Is the meal healthy? Is this actually health promoting? I think that is such an important topic. Um, what I'd love to talk about is how you got into the coaching side of it, because this is different to the quote unquote traditional OT service that we provide. What, what is different about coaching? What do you love about it? And how does it really help propel your clients forward? Well, since this is a podcast for that OTs, so this is kind of the, the basic way I explain it for OTs. When we see a patient, right, and, and I'm not sure, again, where it is where you are, but we get referred, a patient gets referred to us by the doctor. They go to the doctor and they are like, oh, and the doctor says, go to occupational therapy. Usually they say go to physical therapy and physical therapists know that's occupational. So they end up, they end up with us. Um, and then we, we assess, we evaluate, we use whatever tools, evaluations, and then we write up the plan of care with the goals, right, the goals for the patient. And then we send that to the doctor and we start to treat the patient. I view coaching as the patient is no longer patient. They are now my client. The client comes to me with a problem, a situation, a behavior, or something that they want to change or a goal that they want to achieve. So now they're telling me what their goals are. And then I'm still giving them assessments and, and evaluations, but now what we're doing is it's leading them into self-discovery. And then I ask them things like, what are you willing to do for this? So very classically, many people will say, well, I, want, I, want, I need to lose 10 pounds. 
okay, what have you tried before? Well, I tried this and I tried that and I tried the other. Well, why didn't they work? You know, tell me, tell, you know, why they, they didn't work. You know, so I have them, basically they're making the plan of care. They're telling me what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do. And it's my job to kind of work with them um, and interview them and give them questions and tools to kind of open it up. I tell people it's almost like building a bridge, right? You're building it one small step at a time. And you can't come in and say, well, it's very simple. You cut out all of this, you cut out all that, and then you go exercise. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows what you need to do to lose weight. You do. You, you change what you eat and how you eat it, and then you burn more fuels. You burn more calories. There's, there's nothing else in the whole world that's new than that, right? Um, no calories in, calories out. And it's the quality of the food, right? So there's nothing new about that. So I have to ask them questions about what it is that they have hesitations, their beliefs. Next, 99.99999% is the belief systems that they have in place. Um, I have a really hard time because, you know, it's genetic. Um, my mom did this. My mom did that. Well, is it genetic or is it because you learned that from your mom, right? Or you learned that from your dad. And, and how badly do you want to change it? Because everything is, you, you can change it. Everything is changeable if we start believing and we start making those actions behind it. So that's the difference is instead of us writing the plan of care, we're making them pretty much write the plan of care. And then I have them sign it. Instead of the doctor signing it, because it's a contract, they're signing it. This is what I'm willing to do. And oh, by the way, you're now giving me permission to hold you accountable. You're giving me permission to say, um, no. That's not what you said you wanted. Now it's okay if you changed your mind, but this, that's not what you said you wanted. You know? And I think one of the big parts of, that I do love about coaching is that I can turn people away. <laughs> and uh, I have the freedom to say, um, I'm not the coach for you. I'm not the one that's gonna help you because I will call you out. I will say, you know, uh, no, um, why are you lying to yourself? And I love it when they go, I'm not lying to myself. Well, you're lying to me, which means you're lying to yourself. Because it doesn't matter to me, you know, you're lying to yourself. So it's a lot of, you know, we have to do a lot of self-esteem building and things of that nature. But what I love about coaching is that I'm, I'm actually empowering people. I feel like I am really, you know, that whole um, Confucius thing of, I feel like I'm really teaching someone to fish, right? I'm not just giving them a fish. And for me, and I'm not discounting anybody that's in traditional, um, you know, treatment because you're needed. We're needed there as well, right? But for me, I was having a really hard time with saying, I'm going to treat you like this, but this is not what I believe. I was really having moral distress big time. And so um, I really believe in teaching someone to fish. That's what I believe. So that's what I think coaching does. We're, te we're helping somebody do that versus just, here's your fish, go get better. <laughs> Absolutely. And they become the active participant in the therapy session or in the coaching session. They're not just passive. So they are learning the skills. They are doing the hard work. They're problem solving. They're working it out for themselves so that when we're not there, that they can figure out their own problems. They can work it out themselves. They've learned the tools and the skills so that they can um, really make a difference to their own life. Yeah. 
I think one of the biggest things that we do just as OTs is we give people permission. We give per people permission to explore. We give people permission to make mistakes, to not get it right, to figure out a way that works for them. There's, I tell people all the time, there's no right or wrong way. It has to be what works for you, you know? So if, if it's not working for you, then we need to discover what about it is, needs to be shifted so it can work for you. What are strategies that are going to work for you, right? Because I can give you strategies all day long, like I'm telling you. But if they're not going to apply to you and not going to work for you, then why am I giving them to you? It's pointless. Absolutely. And touching on that, so let's come back to the microwave scenario. So say, for example, um, like we know that a family loves their microwave. They use it every day. They're heating up the baby food. They're doing all that sort of thing. From a coaching perspective, I know, so we might, we, I, this is hard, right? Because we don't want to impose our values onto them to some degree. But then there's that OT hat, that educational, that expert knowledge side of us that goes, well, you know what? We want to give that health promotion side. So you are living the best life you can give. How do you balance that? So you're not imposing your values um, and you're ensuring that what education and what guidance you give is sustainable for them. Because if it's not sustainable, they'll go home and, and they're not likely to implement it, right? Like it doesn't fit within their own culture system. How do you yeah. balance that? Well, first, you definitely have to ask them, like, is that, is, why is that an issue? What is it that they're working on, right? What are they concerned? Are they concerned that about the nutritional state and well-being of their children? Now, if that is their concern, then I do have an obligation to educate them, say, okay, I understand that the microwave is so much easier and it's quicker. First, I need to let you know that people lived and managed many years without a microwave. It is possible to not use a microwave to cook. Um, so if you're concerned about the health and well-being of your children, and that's one of the reasons why we're talking, then I want you to start to get comfortable with the idea of maybe not using it all the time. Maybe using it for one or two things versus all of your. So you just kind of start. You start where they are. You are an invitation to change, but you also have to beat the same consistent message, right? So, hey, if you want to use microwave, that's fine. I'm going to let you know that I have an obligation to tell you what it is doing to your food and how it really doesn't help you. Um, but I'm happy to work with you where you are. I mean, you, you do have to kind of let them. It's, it's not necessarily a give and take, but you in order to be an invitation, you want to be like coaxing along, right? Because if you come out and you go, you need to get rid of that microwave right away because it sucks and you know what you're doing. You're taking all the vitamins out of your kids. You're killing your kids, you know? I mean, if you come at people that way, they're going to be like, you're nuts. And they're going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you have to get, it's just, you know, that comfortable kind of thing. It's like throw rugs. It's, and it's kind of like proverbial, like you, the throw rugs for an OT that's in home health, right? You're always trying to get them to throw away throw rugs because they're dangerous and they're not going to throw them away right away. But if you're consistently sending the same message, letting them know, hey, I see you have your throw rugs. I understand you like them. Just remember, you can slip and fall in them. They're one of the, they're one of the main ways people have fall accidents in the home. You know, if you're just kind of reminding them, one day you'll come in and they'll pick up, they won't be there anymore. That's it. And I think that's what 
OTs are so great at is planting the seed. You know, we can plant the seed, but they are ultimately the agent of change. We cannot change them. We cannot do the hard work for them. They must do it for themselves. And so we I, have to do that as therapists, we have to recognize in ourselves that we can give 100% of what we've got, but we are not responsible for their outcome. We really aren't if, if we're giving all that we have. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at what a coaching session might look like, just to give everyone like a, a picture in their mind what coaching looks like. What might an initial session look like when you first have someone, you're, you're doing maybe an initial interview or a conversation with them and, and setting up some goals? What does yeah. that look like? What's the flow? The way I typically run my coaching sessions is that we do have an initial interview because in an, inter an interview, they're seeing if they want to work with me and I'm, I'm seeing if I want to work with them. Are these people that are going to match with my type? Uh, my personality, my humor, or things of that nature. And I'm also gauging to see how committed they are. Um, because I don't take clients who aren't committed. I don't take people who um, are wishy-washy. Um, if they're wishy-washy, I just tell them, um, you know, it sounds like you've tried some things in the past, but it also doesn't sound like you're 100% ready to get started. And that's okay. Um, and if that's where you are, I recommend, and then I'll recommend some books for them to pick up or maybe start with a couple recipes out of this. Um, and then when you're ready, give me a call again, right? Because they're not going to be receptive to the information. So that's first and foremost. And then as we go through, it's what are you looking for? Why, did you, why do you feel like you need a coach? What's working in your life right now? What isn't working? Okay. What are you willing to commit to? What are the obstacles in your way? Okay. Who is your support group? Who do you see as your support group, right? Because sometimes we're like, oh, my spouse. And then your spouse is the one that's over there buying the ice cream at 10 o'clock at night going, hey, babe. You know, um, so they're not really in your support group <laughs> when they're like that, right? So it's, it's asking those types of questions. And then I ask them, okay, we, we set a long-term goal. And by long-term, it's usually about a year long. Where do you want to see yourself in a year? As you look back this, this day, this time, next year, what do you want to say that we have achieved, that you have achieved? And then, okay, so what are the things that you feel you can do that will get you there? So they're creating it, right? They're the ones that are like, hmm, well, if I did this. Okay, so realistically, you just told me that you've been belonging to the gym for the last year and a half, and you've only sat, you only were in there the first day when you signed up the membership. So what's going to be the difference today than it was a year and a half ago? What is that? Do you have cholesterol tests that you, you have in front of you? And then we'll, we'll go through those. What, tell me what the goals are for you. And I have them write them. Okay, now let's reword them. And so we'll get together and, and we don't work on all the goals at once, right? We're going to be like, okay, this is what's going to come first. We're going to prioritize them. And then we're going to work on the hierarchy of them. And then we meet every week. Okay, what did you do this week? How was it? What were the obstacles that came up? What was the action step that you took to overcome the obstacles? And so one of the things with performance and even anxiety, if we can help them pre-program, like, okay, I see the fact that, you know, it's, um, we're going to have a barbecue next week for my son's birthday party. And I know they're all going to bring this kind of cake and then we're going to, you know, they can already kind of tell, okay, 
what are you going to do to help yourself be successful at the event? So then they'll come up with those types of answers and then I'll guide them. Can you take, can you make sure that you make this type of salad? This is a fun recipe. Let me send it to you, right? So I'm still giving them a little bit of tools, but I'm having them kind of think about, all right, how am I going to handle this situation? You know, mm. so that's typically how it, it goes. And then during the, during the week, I'll send like a text message. I use a lot of self-talk recordings. So I'll, we'll do some neuroplasticity work. Um, if there's energetic, um, blocks and believe me there are always energetic blocks um, and belief system blocks um, some of our sessions will be um, a bit of our accountability but then we'll go into um, you know a belief system block or we'll start talking about belief systems and how where did they get that from and do they does it serve them because that's the other thing people don't seem to understand we have belief systems because at one time they they served us and if they no longer serve us we need to see that we need to recognize, well, yeah, that doesn't serve me anymore. So why do I still believe it? Right? Kind of like the microwave. Do I really need, can I not wait 10 minutes for dinner? Do I have to have it in 30 seconds? Mm. <laughs> really? I want to ask you, so when you talk about all the things that we're talking about just now, are you wearing solely your coaching hat or are you wearing your OT hat? Or is it both? How does it work? Because I know this is a really great area for OTs and they have a lot of anxiety, I think, around, oh, am I doing the right thing? Am I an OT if I'm coaching or should I be just wearing my coaching hat? Can you give us some clarity around that? Sure. So here in the States, the way that I work it here in the States is we have licensing. So we have a national certification, and then we have individual state license, okay? Um, and each state has its own rules, so it gets a little complicated. And, um, and those rules in the state are the law for practicing for OT. So I live in Texas, and in the state of Texas, my practice act, so my law states that I can see people in group settings for health promotion and wellness without a doctor's prescription. So, thou, so I'll market it, as I'm coaching. Because if you say, I'm an OT and I specialize in wellness, people are gonna be like, huh? They don't, they don't know what that is, okay? They have no idea. But if you say, I coach people on health and lifestyle changes, and they're like, oh, okay. So for me, it's just a matter of semantics. But I have to be clear for my law that I'm not overstepping it. So I don't know how it is where you are, but so I would get very familiar with your legislation and those guidelines to dictate. But make no mistakes, OTs are the original life coach. We are the original life coach. If you uh, look at, um, and you can Google this on, or, or whichever uh, search engine you want, you can go to AOTA Practice Framework. Um, and that's the American Occupational Therapy Association has a framework of what occupational therapy truly is. And if you read the first paragraph, it tells you, we coach, we consult people, we help them in all aspects, whether they have a disability or they do not have a disability. So I guess for most people, you would think that um, your medical model OT hat is dealing with a disability or a diagnosis. I don't ask people when I'm coaching, what their medical diagnosis is. So for me, I 
differentiate there. Because if I'm going to ask you for a medical diagnosis, that to me is my OT hat. Because now I'm going to look at that through those lenses, right? But if I'm looking at, what are you looking to do? <laughs> what do you want to do? I don't care what, what diagnosis you have. If you tell me why well, I have diabetes, okay, what kind do you have? Type 1 or type 2? Okay, what if you have type 2, what do you do about it? What about it concerns you that you've called me? Right? And then I have a disclosure on all my stuff that I'm not treating anybody, that they are to seek the counsel of their medical physician, and they are to let their physician know what uh, we're doing, whether it's with me or anybody else, right? They should be involved in their wellness. And if, when I'm working with them, if they want me to share it with their doctors, I will. The other part here in the United States is that um, I can only do business uh, for coaching or, or OT in the states that I'm licensed to do so. So I'm in Texas, and if I want to, in, and I'm doing telehealth, and somebody's in Oklahoma, I now have to go sign up and be a therapist in Oklahoma. So we're kind of limited that way. But the way that I truly view it is, am I coming from a diagnosis-based platform or am I coming from a well-being, holistic platform? Because to me, those, my work is going to be along the same lines, but how I'm going to guide them and the more of the concerns are, it's going to be different. Um, I'll take more of a directive approach if it's a diagnosis. And if they're telling me that I'm going to go with more with them leading the direction so they can do reflective work mm -hmm. that makes sense and so do ot's need a certificate in order to coach like a coaching certificate of some sort now my take is no no and just so everybody knows there really to my knowledge is not any um there is the you know international coaching federation there's that federation of coaches there's that but if you really look into that, um, you, you can start a coaching certificate. You can start a coaching school. Anybody can start a coaching school and submit their information to this board and they can go, oh, yep, okay, you're a coaching school, right? Um, and so you, you don't need one. If you, here in the States, we take a national board test. So I don't know what you guys take, but if you have a massive test that you took two, three years, four years to study for, that's going to be greater than any three-day, 12-week um, coaching class that you took. We have massive amount of tools available. We have health checklists. We have um, foundational theories. We have, there's actually a holistic theory. There is um, the model of human occupation. There's, um, there's just so many that we have that we can use to help us. And then we have assessments that we're able to use. You can use the Hamilton anxiety scale that will help you. You can use the, the Duke health profile. So we have access to these things that we can pull in um, to help us. Um, if you go to a coaching school, and I did, I, I'm a certified life coach, and I, I paid quite a couple of thousand, several thousand dollars to this program, and no discount to the program. Um, but when I was in there, I was like, I already know all this. You know, I are, I, this is everything I do. So it gave me a stamp of approval. Well, what, what's needed is we need to, to stand up with our certification. And I get a lot of times people say, well, what do you say when you, you know, somebody asks you, 
And I really say to them, I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm a national board certified occupational therapist. And I know that you really don't know what occupational therapy is, but just know that I had to take a national board examination to do what I do. Mm. And if you say I'm a national board, if you, if you leave with your credentials, you know, they'll get it. But, but you know, you can say I'm a certified coach. Almost everybody's a certified coach anymore. But you, you have to, to keep, get into OT school. You got to have a test. You got to have the grades. You got to have the interview. To become a certified coach, you got to have like $10,000 in 12 weeks. Absolutely. And I think we are, like you said, the original natural life coaches. We do, we have a lot of the skills that life coaches have or coaches in general have. We have that empathetic listening. We have the deep listening skills, the reflective listening. We are amazing at goal setting. We are amazing at looking at other people's belief systems and taking off our own set of lenses. We um, build that trust and that connection with people and really help them get them to where they want to go. So I think OTs do feel like we have this inherently in us, like it's running through our veins. And I suppose OTs just want to know whether we actually have to get another certificate and that stamp of approval to feel like, okay, well, I've done that and now I feel more competent or, or confident in just saying that I provide coaching services. I think that's what it's all about. Well, and that's part of the class. Um, I'm teaching a class, co-teaching class with Emmy Badness this um, fall. And that's the class we're doing. It's, it's uh, OT and coaching. And it's really about getting that confidence to go out and coach. And, and I tell people all the time, if you, if you are looking, instead of spending money and time um, learning or getting a coaching certification, take that and invest it in a modality that will help you in coaching. So for example, if you are passionate about coaching people that um, have had um, an eating disorder and you're passionate about coaching them into reclaiming their life and, and being more of a, um, you know, being more in control and directing their life. And um, notice I didn't say treating their eating disorder. I said, if that's the population that you are identifying with, because maybe you've had you know, siblings that have had an eating disorder or you had an eating disorder and you knew how that impacted you and, and you had to find a purpose and a passion and those steps that you took to do that. Now you can coach somebody through that. I would encourage you to take nutritional classes for somebody that has an eating disorder, because then when you're they're asking you questions, you will have that knowledge. You will have that, and then it'll count towards, you know, um, hopefully it'll count for your continuing education. I look at, you know, take classes that are gonna help you in no matter what area you work in, whether it's pediatrics or what have you, that can work for your OT hat and also your coaching hat, but that are going to give you that confidence to talk about that as a, as a, as a um, I guess, product, if you will. Mm -hmm. Products great word but yeah product you know and you know even OTs who want to build that confidence in coaching you know because there there is a skill to it you know waiting and ha being comfortable with uncomfortable silences and and the questions the open-ended questions that we may ask 
you know, this is something that we can upskill in as well. So not to discount like continuing education and the coaching side of it, because I think that is important as well for some people who, who don't feel confident in that area. And you can take classes. You can still take continuing ed classes on active listening. You can still take continuing uh, education on um, the interview process, right? You can still take those versus spend just getting a coaching certification. And, and you know, most coaching certifications too, they're going to be self-taught. So um, we're going to do in our class this fall, we're going to have, um, you know, time for people to actually role play and kind of and get with each other and kind of see what it feels like and what kind of questions. And then, you know, we can get some feedback on that. end. But, you know, with OTs, yeah, you, you can't wait for anything to be perfect. I mean, just think about the first time you saw somebody, you know, you've got peds. Think about, um, you know, think about the first time you, you saw a kiddo with cleft feet, <laughs> cleft feet, you know. You, you didn't have the experience with, some, with all these people with cleft feet, right? You were just kind of like, okay, I got to go with what I know. I got to think on the fly. I've got, and then all the information that you knew just comes because you're in that situation, right? You didn't have to be like, okay, I need to go take a class on club foot. I need to go take, you know, I need to look at all these different things of the foot. I got to make sure I know all the origin insertions for it for the ankles and the bones and I got to get all this before I can hold on, I'll come back and go get all this information. And then, okay, now I'm ready to treat your club foot. You didn't do that, right? You went, okay, this kiddo's got club feet. What do I need to do? This kiddo, um, first of all, needs to build their core strength. So let's start there. Okay. Now, you know, you started, you broke it down. You used your activity analysis and you broke it down. And, and then probably while you were treating that, kiddo, you were like, okay, now I'm going to take this class to learn about orthotics and prosthesis for this kiddo. What's going to be needed to help with the shoes and how can I help? You know, so you were kind of alongside. You didn't say, I got to wait till I have all the information. Um, and that's the trap, right? Because we will never have enough information. There is always so much to learn. And I think that is the classic trap that we can fall into is I can't start unless I know everything. And that's not true at all. And, and the information, the other part is the information is continually changing. That's the most amazing part about it. So what we, what we taught people about wellness, you know, 10 years ago is different than what we're telling people about wellness now, today, right? And, and certainly after all of the world's events right now, next year, it's going to be completely different as well. So that's the other thing about it. You're never going to have it all. You're never going to have all the information, but do you have enough? And the great thing about it is what I love is the clients that you work with, if they bring up something that you've never heard, they love it when you say, hmm, I'm going to have to look into that one. That's new to me. I'll look into that and I'll bring you some information next week. They don't go, I'm going to fire you because you didn't know what this was. You know, they're like, oh. Okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Anna, we are going to have to start wrapping things up. I could honestly talk to you all day. I have so many other questions. We might have to have a part two. Um, but let's head to the three rapid fire questions. So number one, in one sentence, how do you describe OT? Wow. Everybody asks that question, right? So in one sentence, I say, 
everything that you have done to this point and everything that you desire to do in the future, I can help you with. Ah, boom. <laughs> I love it. Number two, what's one healthy lifestyle habit listeners can implement today? <laughs> throw out the microwave. <laughs> I would love it for people to throw out the microwave. Let me tell you. Um, the biggest thing that people can definitely do is definitely take vitamin D. I mean, I would tell people to take vitamin D hands down. Um, it's, it's the hormone. It's a vitamin. We just don't uh, appreciate how much we need it. And I hear people all the time, well, I get in the, I get in the sun. Well, you still don't have enough vitamin D. I take 10,000 international units a day, you know? And, uh, and so I think we just, that's probably the easiest thing because everybody can get it. Oh, but read the ingredients on your vitamin D. Make sure that it's not got corn oil in it. <laughs> okay. Yes. Very important that we're looking into what we're actually putting in our body. Because mm -hmm. um, there's quality and there's quality, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Number three, if you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs, what would it be? Be bold. Be bold. You know way more than you think you know, and you're capable of way more than you let yourself believe. Oh, I love it. Alrighty. Anna, how can our OTs find out more about you? Where is the best place they can um, connect with you? Well, um, you can definitely connect with me on Facebook, of course. I'm trying to find a different platform, but for now, that's where it's at. Um, I have a business page there. It's Holistic Solutions. And um, then um, you can also find me on my website. It's dranna.net. So it's D-O-C-T-O-R-A-N-A.net. And full disclosure, I'm not a doctor. That's on my website. I'm currently working on getting my PhD. So um, that's a couple years away. But uh, you know how you know, domain names work. You got to snag them when you can snag them, right? Um, so full disclosure on that end. But that's also where people can find me. I'm definitely out there in social media. And if you're interested, if anybody's interested in the class that we talked about, they can certainly reach out to me um, there. But uh, I would love to do a part two. Or if you guys have any questions, I feel that knowledge is um, meant to be shared um, because I certainly wish that I had uh, somebody with all the stuff that I've learned. And I say learned through trial and error, mistakes, big mistakes, even bigger mistakes. You know, uh, I wish I did have somebody um, that was really willing to just, you know, share it, you know. I love it. Thank you so much, Anna. I know everyone listening will have gotten so much out of the conversation today. You are absolutely a um, wealth of knowledge. You've got so much there. And I know there's so much more that we need to dive deep into. So there will be a part two. So stay tuned, everyone. Love you guys all. See you, Anna. Bye. That's it, guys. I hope this episode resonated with you. But more importantly, I hope that it inspires you to take action. If you haven't already, come over and join our Facebook group family where we connect and collaborate. You can find us really easy just by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. If you did love this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it. You can take a screenshot right now and share it on Instagram or on Facebook so we can connect with more amazing, like-minded, open-minded OTs. The more we share the OT lifestyle movement, the more we can create a ripple effect. 
And if you do love the podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review so we can be found more easily. That's it. Go out, create the epic change that you seek in the world because the world is ready for you. Carpe diem, guys.